0: Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you were here with us for a few moments this weekend. We're going to jump right into our teaching series uh, this month. We're, we're calling it uh, At the Movies. And uh, we're taking uh, both classical and new release movies and uh, allowing God to kind of go backdoor on us, speak to us in ways that uh, we might not have heard otherwise and uh, I hope that you've been tracking with us. If you haven't caught the first uh, few messages in this series, I do want to encourage you, uh, go on our website, check out our YouTube channel, and uh, uh, go on our Facebook page and review those At The Movies messages. Uh, well, today we're going to deal with a, a classic movie. In fact, it's kind of an annual look-see for us. And uh, the movie is called the lord of the rings uh, you've probably seen it you probably heard it you probably read one of J.R. tolkien's books uh, on the topic in fact i wanted to mention to you a few things about the author uh, of the books uh, that the movies are based on uh, J.R. tolkien uh, a couple of things about tolkien is that uh, he began writing way back in 1936 well before Uh, World War II, in fact, uh, many of his writings come in the context of the incredible, uh, heinous events that took place during World War II. His initial book he wrote for a family member called The Hobbit, and I really had no idea, no thought of publishing it, and uh, someone came across the book, thought maybe it was worth publishing, and as we all know, about uh, 200 million copies later, uh, that was pretty good advice. Uh, Over the next 10 years, he he proceeded to write uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And uh, interestingly enough, he was part of a group, a literary group called the Inklings, uh, among which was uh, the great C.S. Lewis. So Tolkien had plenty of uh, counsel and input and literary advice as he penned uh, these incredible stories. And uh, a little thing about Tolkien's faith Uh, He once wrote to a friend who wished to know the purpose of life, and uh, Tolkien wrote that uh, the purpose of life was to increase, according to our capacity, our knowledge of God by all the means that we have, and to be moved by it to praise and thanksgiving. Uh, In case you didn't know, that's pretty good theology. He uh, had a special devotion to the celebration of communion. In fact, he once wrote to his son, Michael, that in the blessed sacrament of communion, you will find romance, glory, honor, fidelity, and the true way of all your loves upon earth, and even more than that, beyond. Well, uh, again, that's pretty good theology, and that kind of thinking uh, laid the groundwork for Tolkien to write this incredible series. You know, uh, we call movies like The Lord of the Rings epic And uh, that's uh, uh, with good cause. Uh, Epic, uh, really, it's a large story of legendary figures who have an impact on cultures and nations. I hear that again. An epic story is a large, grand story about heroic figures who have an impact on culture and on nations. And uh, I want to ask you uh, this question as we think about this movie. Uh, Are you living an epic story? Are are we living an epic story? Well, I I would say this. If you believe the Bible, the answer to that would have to be yes. In fact, uh, listen to some of these epic uh, scriptures that kind of paint the backdrop of the lives that you and I are living. Uh, Here's what uh, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, in one of his letters to his friends at Corinth. Uh, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You know, those are epic words. Uh, Paul would write in one of his other great letters, Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle in this world is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Those are epic words. And then finally, uh, these words from uh, his letter to the Romans. He says that creation itself waits in eager expectation for the children of God. That would be you and I, if we're followers of Christ. uh, Creation itself waits in expectation for the children of God to be revealed so that it can be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Well, here's truth. If you believe the Bible, we are living in an epic story. In fact, uh, my title of this message is called uh, Your Normal Epic Life. And uh, it's coming to the realization of that. It provokes us to live a little bit larger, a little bit better, with a little more meaning and purpose In our days, uh, you know, most of the time we live as though we're not living in an epic story. At least uh, our part of it doesn't seem very epic to us. In fact, uh, the scriptures would say, uh, wake up, don't fall asleep to the realities that are unfolding in our culture, in our world that depend on you playing your part in the story. In fact, one of the movies, the second in the series series, uh, it's uh, one of the main characters, a guy named King Theoden. Uh, he's uh, overcome by the spirit of slumber. And uh, he otherwise should be a force for good, when in reality he's at best neutral. He's not stepping up to the plate. He's not fulfilling his part in the great story. And that would be one of the reasons we go into a movie like this, is to provoke us and stir us uh, to be aware of the legendary role that each of us play in this grand story that God has seen fit to place us in. Well, let's begin by getting into the story uh, as uh, Tolkien weaves this incredible tale. Uh, These rings are fashioned, entrusted to the inhabitants of Middle Earth, and uh, uh, they have uh, different groups of peoples uh, that receive rings of power. Uh, But there's one particular ring, that's fashioned uh, by the dark lord Sauron. And he pours all of his evil malice into this ring, and then inscribed within the interior of the ring are these uh, ominous words, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. And so that's kind of the, the nature of the quest is uh, each of these uh, inhabitants of Middle-earth have their own rings, but there is this one ring uh, fashioned by the Dark Lord that is seeking to bind them all. And uh, as we uh, pick up the story, uh, the ring has been severed from its owner he, in a battle. He actually apparently lost his life. His, his uh, finger was severed off. The ring and the finger fell to the bottom of a creek bed, and there it lay dormant for thousands of years, until it's found by this guy, a guy named Smeagol. Well, actually, it was found by his cousin. But Smeagol was so drawn to the ring that he choked his cousin to death in order that he might possess the ring. Well, after holding it quite a few years, he's driven into the caves. And after 400 400 years of being possessed by the ring, he turns into this guy. And, uh, you know, here's a there's a little warning that use of this product may be damaging to your health and well-being. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a a parable right away that things we take to ourselves at the expense of others uh, usually end up costing us much more than we derive from them. And that's the case, certainly, with Smeagol turned into Gollum. Well, Smeagol, at one point, after 400 years of owning this ring, loses it in a cave, and along comes a hobbit named Bilbo Baggins, he finds the ring, and uh, he kind of holds, becomes the keeper of the ring. He's not quite as drawn to its powers as uh, Gollum was, but uh, after 60 years, in fact, you can read about Bilbo's adventures in uh, Tolkien's original book, The Hobbit, but after 60 years or so, he decides that he must pass on his ring, pass on the ring, uh, to his nephew Bilbo Baggins, passes it on to Frodo Baggins, who becomes kind of the main character in this quest uh, to destroy the ring and liberate Middle-earth from its influence. Well, uh, as the story unfolds, uh, Gandalf, uh, one of the great wise men, uh, comes to Frodo and says, look, the ring cannot stay in the shire where the hobbits live because uh, it's being sought out, by its uh, creator Sauron through his dark emissaries. Uh, He wants the ring back. He wants to consolidate his power and thus begins the quest of Frodo. Uh, He doesn't know quite what he's going to do with the ring, but he knows it has to leave the shire. So he takes off and embarks upon this incredible adventure that unfolds uh, in the first of the trilogy, The Fellowship of the Rings, uh, along the way, uh, Frodo is joined by these guys, his good friends Sam, uh, Mary, and Pippin. Uh, they become kind of the entourage of the ring. Well, uh, they're also being pursued by the bad guys. Uh, these guys are known as the Nazgul, the ring Race, the Black Riders. Uh, they want the ring back. They were once kings among men, but because they yielded to the darkness, they now live as emissaries of this guy. Uh, this is the evil Sauron. He's now kind of a disembodied spirit uh, ever since he lost his finger in that battle. But he now inhabits this great eye, and uh, he is uh, looking out uh, over the land of Mordor. He wants his ring back. Well, fortunately, uh, these little hobbits are also being pursued by this guy. You might imagine he's kind of one of the heroes of the story. His name is Aragorn. Uh, He is heir to the throne of Gondor, but he's living in self-imposed exile uh, due to his shame that one of his ancestors failed to destroy the ring when he had the opportunity to do so. So Aragorn's kind of living in shame, but he's also pursuing these hobbits. Well, uh, there's someone else giving chase. It's this lady named Arwen. Uh, She's uh, one of the elves, daughter of Elrond, lord of Rivendell, and uh, she's uh, likewise in hot pursuit of the ring, of the hobbits, but uh, you'll quickly find out she's also uh, got a love interest. Surprise, surprise, it's this guy. (laughs) So, you know, the the story unfolds with all the drama and intrigue. Well, uh, as the story goes on, uh, Frodo suffers what should be a mortal wound from one of the Dark Riders, and uh, it's determined uh, that Arwen uh, can ride the fastest, And so, uh, in an attempt to save Frodo's life, uh, she puts him on her horse, uh, takes off for the land of the elves, the sanctuary of Rivendell, and uh, they're pursued, again, uh, by the dark riders in this scene, and uh, uh, up comes one of the coolest scenes in the opening movie, is uh, uh, Arwen leads them into the river, and then she summons these guys, the water horses, and uh, they overwhelm The Dark Riders, uh, Arwen and Frodo, escape. They make their way uh, to Rivendell, the home of the elves, and eventually the rest of the guys show up. Well, uh, surprise, surprise, Uh, after Frodo gets well, it's determined uh, the ring can't stay here either. (laughs) The ring must leave Rivendell because the Dark Lord Sauron uh, knows it's there. He's pursuing it uh, yet again, and so uh, Then we have one of the classic scenes of the movie, and uh, it's really where the title comes from. It's the formation of this fellowship of the ring. It's where this uh, entourage of the leaders among Middle Earth, uh, of the dwarves, of the elves, of the, uh, of the kings of the earth, uh, they all have this conference deciding uh, what must happen to the ring. Uh, and after a fair amount of bickering, Frodo steps forward and says, uh, he will take the ring to the place where it was forged, Mount Doom, and destroy it and liberate Middle Earth from its influence. Well, uh, this uh, case you missed it, this idea of the fellowship of the ring is kind of the central theme of this uh, entire story. And, uh, you know, uh, really what hinges uh, on the success of this group is uh, the future of the world. <laughs> That's a big deal. That's an epic Story, and uh, I want you to uh, begin to kind of make some associations. You know, is there a connection between this grandiose story and our journey as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, uh, one of the other writings of Paul, where he writes to his friends in Ephesians, uh, he's uh, he's outlaid uh, for them some incredible realities about their relationship with Jesus. He says things like you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, Uh, in Christ, the same power that lifted Jesus from the dead is at work in you and that you have this uh, amazing destiny in Christ. Uh, God has appointed good works that we should live in them, walk in them until uh, we meet him face to face. Well, in the context of all those wonderful themes Paul writes this about their fellowship with one another. He says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord then, he's paying the price. He says, I urge you, live a life that is worthy of the calling that you've received to follow Jesus and live like him in the world. And here's how you do that. Be completely humble and gentle in your relationships with each other. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, Jesus, uh, before he left this world, he said uh, one of the primary ways, if not the primary way that people would recognize the reality of Christ would be in us and in the way that we relate to each other. He said it like this. This is how all men will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another, and so this great quest begins with a foundation of very uh, unique individuals, rough edges, a lot of different viewpoints of being cast into this, this great epic journey and adventure and quest uh, together. Uh, you know, one of the uh, greatest theologians of our time, uh, a guy named N.T. Wright, has incredible insight into the writings, especially of the New Testament. Uh, here's what he wrote about this fellowship of Christ's followers, this unity of the spirit that we share as a gift from Christ. He says the church, which is us, united through the grace of God in the death of Jesus. Uh, That's a mouthful. The church united through the grace of God in the death of Jesus is the sign to the principalities and powers that their time is up. What's he saying He's saying, look, uh, this, this church that Jesus started uh, by pouring out his forgiveness on people like us, this unity of his spirit, uh, this is what spells the end of darkness in the world. It's the beginning of the kingdom of God among us. And uh, N.T. right? I think he gets it right when he says, you know, a darkness as a force kind of shudders when they see this unity based on the grace of Jesus Christ among humans' imperfect people like you and I. Uh, Well, uh, the journey then goes away from Rivendell and really where the uh, arduous quest begins uh, with uh, Frodo, with his friends, and with this entourage known as the Fellowship of the Rings. Uh, Their journey takes them to the top of a mountain pass it takes them to the depths of the earth in the mines of the dwarves. And uh, as they're trying to exit uh, these, uh, the mines of uh, Moriah, uh, there's, a, there's a battle uh, to get out the other side. And uh, in this battle, uh, kind of their main spiritual guide, uh, Gandalf, uh, gets in, engaged in a battle with this guy, a kind of a demonic being from the depths Of the abyss. Now it's starting to read like the book of Revelation. And uh, Gandalf falls to his apparent death. And uh, as they emerge from these mines, it begins to dawn on the entire party, especially Frodo, that this is a task, this is a quest that is fraught with difficulties. It's full of challenges and unexpected ordeals. In fact, uh, here's the truth that emerges as we watch this movie and think about. Uh, the reality of who we are in Christ and our journey through this world. Most of us will face challenges we never dreamed of. We never imagined. We didn't bargain for. We didn't know that those were part of the fine print. Uh, Most of us in our lives will face challenges we never imagined. And here's the message. They must be endured. We have to go through those things. It's part of the deal. It's not an aberration. It's not an intrusion. When followers of Christ go through unexpected difficulties, it's a guarantee. That's part of the quest that we're on, and just knowing that can fortify us, can strengthen us for those difficult times. Uh, look, listen to how uh, the writers, uh, the first followers of Christ, spoke of this. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, uh, Paul wrote, We must go through many hardships to enter into the kingdom of God. We must go through many hardships in order to bust through and break into the kingdom of heaven that has begun with the coming of Christ and uh, the imparting of his spirit to us who follow him. Uh, Jesus said, wide is the path that leads to destruction. and Those who find it are many, but narrow is the path that leads to life. And, uh, you know, uh, Jesus also talked about some who would begin following him. But then it got difficult. They encountered trials, difficulties. They bailed out. They said, I didn't know this was part of the package. Uh, Jesus uh, wants to fortify us against that so that we push through uh, those things. Well, as Frodo is becoming overwhelmed by the difficulty and the challenges of his uh, effort to try and destroy this ring and liberate Middle Earth from its influence, uh, there's a great scene where uh, the, the the whole fellowship is kind of encamped uh, in a, a enchanted wood. And uh, Frodo has a nighttime encounter uh, with this woman. Her name's uh, Galadriel, and she's known as the Lady of the Wood. She's kind of a scary personality, especially in this scene where Frodo offers her the ring. He says, why don't you take it? You can do this better than me. And for a moment, she entertains Uh, What kind of personality she could become if she possessed this ring. What kind of power she could consolidate within herself. And uh, she fights off the temptation. And uh, she speaks to Frodo some sobering words. Uh, She shows him a glimpse. If he doesn't complete his task, the kind of destruction that's going to come, even to his, his happy little shire, which he thinks is, you know, part of another world, safe someplace else. And the reality is... Uh, she impresses upon him, hey, you have to complete this task. And uh, here's another truth that emerges at this point in the movie. It's this, resisting evil and overcoming temptation. It, it's not just a road that has its share of difficulty, but each one of us uh, has a choice, has a call, has a duty, has a responsibility to resist evil and overcome temptation i love the way james the brother of jesus speaks of this reality he says this "Uh, look folks when we're tempted no one should say well god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone Uh, but each person that would include you and i each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed and once that happens, after desire has conceived, it's found a place in us. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Uh, you know, someone defined sin uh, recently in a rather simple way. I said, sin is anything that I take for myself that either is hurtful to me or others. That's sin. Uh, anything that I take for myself, that is either damaging to me or others. And uh, what the the Bible seems to be emphasizing is that this doesn't come from without. We can't blame culture. We can't blame society. We can't blame the others in our lives. This urge to choose what is hurtful comes from within. And uh, one of the messages that uh, comes out of this movie is that the costs are high when we give in to those urges and desires and appetites, somebody pays a big price. Uh, This is spoken of in the very opening pages of the Bible. Listen to how God himself addresses uh, Cain. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Will you not experience good things and blessing? But if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must overcome it. You know, this is very similar to Jesus saying when you pray, one of the ways you ought to pray is, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Give us the wherewithal. Give us the wisdom, the willpower, the ability to sidestep those things that might otherwise pull us down and hold us back. Well, uh, as the story unfolds, then they uh, continue on with their quest, and uh, something begins to happen within the fellowship. That sin inclination, that temptation, uh, begins to strike at the unity of the fellowship. Uh, they begin to uh, suspect one another. Uh, there begins to be this rift growing between the various individuals. In fact, a Boromor, one of the one of the royalty. Among uh, among uh, the uh, fellowship of the ring group, uh, he his desire for the ring to possess its power just for a little while, that he might help his people, eventually leads to a scene where he loses his life. Uh, they can they're caught unaware uh, by the uh, the orcs that are pursuing them, and uh, in this uh, heart rending scene. Uh, Boromor is about to lose his life, Um, uh, Aragorn shows up at at his dying breath, he hears these words, I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, and my king, so he kind of has a deathbed conversion, Uh, but uh, all of this adds up uh, in Frodo's mind uh, to the, the realization the fellowship is, is broken apart at the seams. I can't rely on this group anymore. And uh, the movie takes a, a really a dramatic turn as uh, Frodo begins to realize if this quest is going to happen, uh, he's got to own it, he's got to do it on his own. And so uh, again, in this very moving scene, uh, Frodo decides uh, he's going to set off alone. Uh, He's going to go on with the quest without the fellowship uh, being with him. And as he's uh, pondering, uh, getting ready to get in this boat and launch out on his own for the land of Mordor, he's thinking about some of the things the lady of the wood spoke to him. Uh, She said, Frodo, to bear a ring of power is to be alone. This task was appointed to you. And if you do not find a way, no one will. Those are sobering words, uh, but it really does uh, begin to bring out a reality and a truth about our epic stories, our journey through this life. You know, there are some things entrusted uh, to you, to I, that no one else can do. There are choices in front of you that no one else can make but you, and uh, it really comes down to each of us in our own uh, normal, epic lives, choosing the hard road, the difficult road, but the good road in the right road. You know, I love uh, the way Jesus brings this truth out. It's after he's gone to the cross. He suffered for the sins of the world. He's been raised from the dead. He's met with his fearful disciples. He's trying to refurbish them, retool them, equip them to send them out in his name. and He's interacting with Peter. And it becomes apparent that uh, Peter is going to suffer for Jesus to get the good word out. And uh, Peter notices John, and he, he turns his attention to John, and he says, Well, Lord, uh, what about him? You know, uh, if, I, if I'm going to be called to suffer and lay down my life for you, what about John? And I love the response of Jesus. He says, uh, "He says, uh, What about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? And then again, uh, these sobering words, you must follow me. You must follow me. And uh, Frodo in the movie uh, comes to that realization that if his quest is going to be completed, it's going to be because he chose uh, to do the difficult thing on his own. Well, as the movie, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring uh, begins to come to a close, uh, we have Frodo setting off uh, on his own. He gets in a boat and pushes out into the river. And in this classic scene, uh, his good friend Samwise uh, tries to follow him out into the water. And uh, Frodo says, uh, Sam, go back. I'm going out alone. And uh, Sam's reply is, I know you are, Mr. Frodo, and I'm going with you. He walks out into the water, but he can't swim. He begins to sink like a rock, and uh, towards the close of this opening movie in the series, uh, you see this scene where Sam is sinking under the water, Uh, Frodo stops his rowing, he leans over the boat, he reaches down his hand, and you see this classic grasp, uh, hand to hand, as Frodo reaches down to save his friend Sam, and pull him out of the murky waters, and off they go on this epic journey. Together and really, the last two movies really carry this theme through to the end. And here's the theme: is that friendship and love and loyalty become the most powerful forces in the world. Uh, Proverbs, uh, verse uh, chapter 18, verse 24 makes this statement: "One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer." then a brother. You know, Jesus himself said there's no greater love that a man has than to lay down his life uh, for his friends. And, uh, you know, this is an amazing truth that, again, comes out in this epic story uh, that friendship seems to be one of the most powerful influences in creation. And uh, Jesus himself demonstrated that. Uh, when he emptied himself for his friends so that we could uh, have the hold of death broken and we could experience life and return to the destiny that God has for us. Well, you fast forward uh, to the end of two very long movies and uh, Frodo and Sam uh, make it uh, to the pinnacle of their quest. They make it to Mount Doom and uh, there they are standing on the threshold and uh, You know, in fact, the last stretch, uh, Frodo is so exhausted spiritually, mentally, physically, that he can't continue the last several hundred yards. So Sam carries him uh, to the precipice uh, of this molten lava cauldron. And uh, there on the edge, Frodo uh, is in a wrestling match. After all this is said and done, he still can't bring himself to throw the ring into the cauldron and destroy it. And uh, in that moment, uh, who should show up? But Gollum, he wants the ring back. He gets in a fight with Frodo. He eventually bites his finger off in order to grasp the ring for himself. And as he does, he plummets uh, backwards with uh, the ring and the finger uh, into the bubbly cauldron, destroying the ring. And we come uh, to this conclusion uh, at the very end, Uh, When Frodo, his destiny was before him, his quest was about to be fulfilled. He couldn't do it. There was still some weakness in him, some brokenness that couldn't be overcome without the help of a good friend. Uh, You know, uh, this again, it's a powerful story about what really matters in this life. And I would say it like this, friendship, love, and loyalty are indeed the most powerful forces in the universe and the only real answers to evil in the world. This is how Peter, uh, that one who Jesus said, what is that to you? You must follow me. Here's what Peter would wrote decades uh, after uh, following and serving Christ and his church. Uh, Peter says, above all else, uh, those are important words, above all else, love each other deeply Because why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, there can be a lot of things wrong in the world. There can be a lot of brokenness in families. There can be a lot of uh, dysfunction, even in churches. And uh, Peter would say this, above all else, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of things that are frayed and broken and not working the way that they should. Well, uh, here's a summary uh, of these three wonderful movies uh, based on the, the writings of J.R. Tolkien. I would encourage you, you got some time to waste, uh, watch through uh, some of them. Uh, but here's our summary of the truths that they teach. Uh, we truly are living an epic story. If we'll wake up, and kind of smell the coffee. Uh, your part uh, in the story matters more than you could imagine uh, for you to Endure the things God has put before you uh, to resist the temptations in your life. Those things have consequences, and they're also blessings that are released when we're faithful. Uh, Each of us must endure difficulty. We must overcome evil, resist temptation to fulfill our calling. And friendship, sacrifice, love, and loyalty are indeed the most powerful forces in the universe and ultimately will defeat all evil in the world. Uh, before I pray with us, I want to end you uh, end, uh, with th- these words from the Apostle Paul, who, who, who wrote at the, towards the end of his quest, after he'd served Jesus and people faithfully for decades upon decades, uh, he would write these words to one of his young followers. He said, uh, Timothy, uh, in a great house, uh, there are all kinds of vessels. Uh, some are gold. Some are made of silver, some of wood, some of clay. And uh, here's this point: uh, Some are for honorable use, and some for dishonorable. Uh, therefore, if anyone uh, cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will become a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. What's he saying? Uh, we have choices. Uh, we can decide. God, I want to live into the epic story. I want to do my part. I want to play my role. And uh, whatever that is, wherever you're stationed, however humble, menial the task, uh, you can decide uh, this grand story that God has set in motion, that Jesus has made known to us and invited us into. Uh, it's ours uh, to live into or to ignore at our peril. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you that you have indeed created us for noble things. You have set eternity in our hearts, your word says. You've given us minds and hearts and spirits that yearn for what is meaningful, what is beautiful. And I pray, Lord, that through this simple movie, you would spark something in us, wake us up, shake us out of our doldrums, and allow us to seize Uh, Today is an opportunity to do good, uh, to overcome, uh, to resist, uh, to uh, pledge ourselves, commit ourselves to those people uh, that you've surrounded us with, that we would show up in ways that are helpful and uh, strengthening to others. Uh, Maybe if you're you're hearing this message, you realize, you know, I've never really uh, chosen to follow jesus christ but as i hear this message there's something in me that that yearns for that i would encourage you right where you're at uh, jesus said if anyone uh, calls on my name they'll be saved they'll become children of god just say lord i i need you i need your life i need your forgiveness i want to become a, a new creation in you and so i receive uh, your health your life your wholeness uh, Bring your, your hope uh, into my world. Shake me uh, out of my doldrums and help me to see the opportunity uh, to live into a bigger story. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.